You have just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Royal Access. It's your girl, Corral, and today I am kicking it with Travis. Say hello to the people, Travis. Hello, peoples. Hope all is well. How are everybody doing? Good, good, good. <laughs> heavy, heavy topic today. Heavy, heavy, heavy topic today. I feel like it's heavy. Oh my God. So as you guys know, if you've listened to last week, we're in the middle of the series, Jesus and Therapy. I don't know. I don't feel like now Travis is going to have me asking questions that don't are not in my repertoire. So why do you feel like it's heavy? Well, let me just preface it by saying, I think therapy is great. I think therapy as a topic is a heavy topic because a lot of people don't know how to handle that hot potato. You know what I mean? I feel like people don't know where to start. They feel like if therapy comes up, it's like, okay, why are you saying I need therapy? You know, or <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it's a very loaded thing when it doesn't have to be. So that's why I said heavy. I mean, we're definitely probably going to talk about, you know, some heavy things, hopefully, uh, you know, I, and thank you for the, thank you for, um, you know, giving me a little bit of direction before. So, I mean, hopefully it'll get too, too, it won't get too mushy and too, you know, uh, yeah. heavy laden, but yeah, hopefully some good stuff comes out of it as well too, you know? Sounds good. Sounds good. So today um, the topic is, you know, the, the series is Jesus and therapy, but I label the topic, the male ego. Mm-hmm. And it's because I think you just said it like, but it only doesn't only happen with the males. I I've had, um, Other people I've spoken to, whether sometimes it's a female and I say, like, you know, did you think about therapy? And it's like the defensive, like, why are you trying to say I need therapy? Like, I don't need therapy. Like, there's this this negative connotation, this negative stigma around therapy in the black community. Um, And there are males that are opposed to 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 therapy. I'm watching the series Black Love and um, they have an after show. And they got in a heated discussion about therapy after. And one of the husbands was saying that, yeah, I never used to believe in it. But now, you know, my wife kept forcing me to go. And now I go individually and we go as a couple. And I think it's so needed. And so the host of the show, her husband doesn't think therapy is necessary. He feels like obviously growth is necessary, but he doesn't feel everybody who has to grow has to go to therapy. So there was this big back and forth. And I think he felt put on the spot. And I promise you, her husband never joined her as the host of the other last three episodes. I said, I seriously believe they pissed him off because he does not think he needs to go to therapy. So my question is, why do you think there's such a stigma in general around the Black community and then go to males? Why do you think males? Yeah, so I mean, this is, I think, weakness. I think people think it is weakness or, you know, especially in the Black community, you might say it's like, you're soft if you go to therapy. And and a lot of that, again, you, zooming out, you have to ask yourself how or why that we possibly get it. Because if you look at especially the black community and black males in the community, you know, you, you can't cry. You know, what I mean, you got to be tough all the time. And we learn this from everyone, from possibly your parents, especially if you got your old man or like even from your friends as well, too, in terms of if you play in the dozens or you, you know, poking fun of each other at school. So the the environment really sets the tone of always being on and always being on defense and to always be strong. Um, and I think we take that with us um, through a lot of different things. So I think it moves from might, might be not showing, we trying to show quote unquote weakness in the home or not trying to show weakness at, at school. 
but then it never leaves us because it's like when we get into real life indulging in the in the in you know the work world we already have taught ourselves that we should not communicate very transparent and emotional things uh because that is not our baseline um thing operation that we should do you know what i mean we should take that inside try to figure out the problem on our own uh because if we ask for help it it is a kink in the armor and as a male is that especially from a male, male ego perspective is like if the moment we do that we lose and males aren't supposed to lose i feel like that's probably our the the default mo especially in our society yeah and the, yeah like you said like males are taught to be strong but even going back to the black community like when you think about as far back as ancestors, like you were saying, like, you know, I always thought about that. Like when they said, you know, you keep your business in the house, you don't talk about the business, you don't put it in the street. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of that stems from the fact that, you know, we came from ancestors that were enslaved. And yeah, so therefore, kind of weakness was like a sign of your life. Like, then we yeah. don't know time to be talking about our problems. We take it to the Lord in prayer because we yeah. don't want to die. Why would we... Yeah. And again, that's trauma too. Right. And I mean, trauma comes in different forms. So that's trauma that we had. We have baked in our DNA to a degree from hundreds of years ago. Um, and that trauma just relived in different fashions, uh, you know, over the years in different forms, in different ways. Um, and again, trauma, when you understand what that is, it's just the body's response to, you know, uh, or a, a, a body's response to a particular thing. But it's also a survival tactic. It's like I need to maintain this nucleus of a shell that is my uh human experience uh and the moment i let that down or let that go because it be, because i possibly did that before and it didn't go well i need to always protect this yeah and just uh like you said trauma you're holding on to a thing or the body responding in a certain way there was this youtuber um because, oh, shameless plug, guys, I just got on YouTube. So, you know, follow on me on YouTube. Find Karel Pinner on YouTube. Check it out. I got my first episode up. And so as I was deciding to go, like, I'm only on because the Holy Spirit told me to go on, like, three years ago. And I've been fighting it because the consistency it takes with a podcast. I'm like, now I have to be consistent in getting made up on camera, editing something that's on camera, adding stuff. I was like, I, I don't want to fail. And so I just didn't want to do it. So I've been putting it off for years. But anyway, as I was getting ready to go into space, I was watching different people that were in the space. And there was this girl, she was on it for a long time. And then she ended up getting married. So some episodes, she includes her husband. And when I saw her husband, I was like, oh, I didn't expect her husband to be like this. So it's it's not bad. It's just like, you know, those like those personality types where I don't know if the word is softer, but it's just like, he's just more like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to describe it without sounding um, demeaning or without sounding. He's, it's, it, he's a good guy, but it's just the persona or the personality is a little more like. It doesn't not, match. Like it yeah. doesn't match the role almost. Say and again. I guess that's probably, it doesn't match like how you expect. But you expect yeah. a situation like that. Yeah, and I probably that's probably the best, probably the safest, not safest, but like the most polite way to say it. Way I, to say, like, you know, like he just didn't seem as, you know, rough around the edges. So in your mind, you say, no, boy, I don't want a thug. I don't want no rough around the edges. I want somebody who right. just knows Jesus. I want somebody. So you're looking at someone who knows Jesus. You're looking at someone who was very intentional with her. You're looking at someone who's very respectful, but it's just the, and what I could just, 
attributed to is it's toxic. It's trauma. It's like seeing someone in that, like all of these great qualities that he possessed. You still saying like, oh, that's somebody in school. I would have been your friend. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But that's bad. That's bad. But I think I mean, it's because I just be trained that, that, you know, you should, men should be macho. Men should be this. Men right. should be that. So if right. they show anything where they seem expressive or not as macho or, you know, then it's like, oh, but I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And I mean, so I think that something like that, it boils down to, especially from a male perspective, right, is that be true to yourself, right? Yes. Like, yes. <clears throat> by no means, I mean, whatever your your perspective on masculinity is or what you think is macho enough like that i mean i probably don't even fit that box right but at the same token i learned very early that whoever i am to be cool with who you are to appreciate who you are you you don't have to ride a harley davidson or you know smoke a black and mile out the window or whatever like that to put on persona um that is ultimately not true to yourself which you end up hurting yourself because again almost like armor or like putting on clothes, you go into society playing a role of somebody that you're not. Now you have to maintain this role. And if anybody mm-hmm. challenges this role is a big issue. You know what I mean? Or again, to a degree, maybe you had to be macho because of a situation that may have happened in your life where you had to put on that armor. Maybe, you know, very something, something dramatic may have happened to you or you feel like, you know, in order for me to protect myself, to me not get bullied on anymore, I had to put on this role. And then you end up, taking that role through the rest of your life because that's what worked for you. That was the thing that helped you to survive. Um, But I think, and I think it's so important, the earlier you catch yourself in terms of understanding who you are as a person and being comfortable with who you are as a person, those things don't matter as much. You know what I mean? Now we are human. We are going to think about, we're always going to think about our ourselves and how we, how we perceive with everybody else. But a lot of people don't have to take that for like a rule of thumb if you are comfortable with yourself. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people miss. And I think a big tool that you get out of therapy in terms of like, okay, who am I as a person? Mm -hmm. How do I fit in this particular role with everybody in in, in relation to what not only my story and my narrative is, but especially if you're walking as a Christian, what my narrative is for the bigger, the grand story, how I fit into this in relation to what Jesus has done, what God is trying to do in a broken world like this, where things like this happen more often than not. Yeah. And I think what therapy does for people like that are on my end, where I saw the person and I'm like, oh, he seems kind of soft. I think um, what it does is it retrains your mind. I think you have to retrain your mind because I think a lot of our ideals and thoughts of what something should look like comes from culture and not necessarily from Christ. And so when you retrain your mind as an onlooker, like, oh, a male should be this, this, and this. No, a male should embody Christ. And if they embody Christ, then that is something that should be looked upon, not what culture told you. So the minute you see something that seems like, oh, that doesn't seem attractive to me, you have to ask yourself, what is the source? Is the source of what is this? Is it trauma? Is it toxicity? Is it culture? And then, so that's the people who are onlooking males who say that, oh, males should have this certain thing. And then I think for males, as you just pointed out, you should be your authentic version, the most authentic version of yourself. Retrain your mind from what culture said you should have been and be the most authentic version of yourself. And the people that are meant to connect with you will, and you will be able to do more of what God called you to be when you're walking in the most authentic version of yourself. So I right. think that that's why therapy is also important. It retrains the mind of how we look at people, but it also it retrains for the males who are going by this cultural stigma of, I need to be macho. I don't do that. I can't. 
natural weakness. It retrains their mind. So it brings me to my uh, next question. No, but let me just to just expand, let me just give you like an outline example of how how it acts in 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 a particular facet. So like for me, what I've learned, one thing that I've learned about myself, and I don't even know if, this, if that's probably the next question in terms of what you learn from therapy, but um, no, that isn't. But let me just go on this in terms of like, say, for example, one thing I've learned about myself going through therapy is that I do have anxiety and control issues. And that comes from, you know, just learning to always to be perform performing, you know, from a young age, whether it's like having to get good grades or like and it stemmed into work in terms of like having a perfectionist thing that things have to go this way and, and you know, and in this order, in this fashion, and if it doesn't go in this way, it's wrong. Right. So what I've learned, especially in terms of learning how to control that or not necessarily control it to manage it that's probably the best word to use uh one one tool that has been cool for me is cooking right where i have to slow down i have to pay attention to what's going on in the moment right now not to make a thing perf like perfect i'm just trying to feed myself right but i've gotten good with cooking over uh you know over the years right where Cooking is very therapeutic to a degree for me where, I, you know, I calm down, I, I'm able to reconfigure myself, you know, after I make a meal and spend time making a meal and, you know, and using that time to reflect, uh, reflect, uh, pray, you know, just to go over the day or whatever like that. So how this stems into the male ego and macho-ness in terms of what the world looks like, when I tell people or when people find out I cook, it's almost like, oh, you cook? Or, you know, men usually don't cook. And so it's almost already pocketed as like a soft thing in order to do that. But I don't care about that because it's not about what the world thinks or, you know, how they perceive what cooking is. It's how cooking makes me feel, you know, and it is a beneficial thing as well, too. So it could easily be and males probably could take on the mantle of a uh, woman, only woman supposed to cook, men ain't supposed to cook. And like, how is that benefiting? You know what I mean? Like, what are right. you getting? Um, putting on that oh only women should do this particular thing or if a man, a man does this he is you know lesser than so that's the type of things uh that you wrestle with in that particular thing but you have to learn okay what's comfortable for you i love that come through self-awareness first of all if you're a male and you're listening um i don't think that there's nothing wrong with males who can cook i feel like that's uh, for me like when i interact with males and they're like yeah no i can cook i was like oh my god that is so Amazing. And I think it's just like, I mean, I don't know how to do it, but I think that males also appreciate when a girl says, you know, no, I know I want to change a tire. I know how to check something because it, oh, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in distress. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to do any of those, but I think it would be good if I did know. I think yeah. it would be good if I knew something. I am yeah. quite the downfall. I don't know what nothing going on with that guy. Uh, yeah. But I think it's, it's good to know. I think it's good to know. Yeah. Um, so I think that one, that's a good thing. But two, I love the self awareness that comes from therapy, like you said, I have anxiety and control. And then you had a practical way of how to work through that. Because that's the thing, it's having that awareness of what are some of my natural triggers. Um, and like you said, it came from performance. And so you could tell that that is somebody, and that's some of the things that therapy reveals. So that's great that therapy brought that out for you. So one of the things I wanted to know was why did you decide in the first place? Did you, was it that I know I have anxiety and control? Was it something else that was, and then you forget, you learned that that was a deeper issue that you also had going on. Like what was the catalyst that led you to therapy in the first place? Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying there's a lot of, I mean, I was always interested in therapy, even though I did not pull the tr trigger until like the end of 2019, 
going into 2020, right? Oh, no, no, the end of 2019 or no, the end of 2018 going into 2019, right? But before that, you know, therapy has always been like, I don't see what the issue is, why people think this, even though I've not gone, I always be like, I don't see the big deal of why people shouldn't go to therapy. I've never personally had that experience. Now, looking back on the different webs of how my life is connected, I've appreciated therapy more, but I never pulled the trigger back then. I think when I was in Tampa, um, I think the biggest thing that'd be like, yo, I got to really look into this. When I was back in Tampa, I think like around 2013, 2014, I got plugged into the entrepreneurship community there. And how I really got into that community was a good friend of mine, um, Susie. We call her Susie Q, um, who was like, you know, a pioneer in the entrepreneurial community um, there, right? And she was the one of the people who really brought me into the fold as well, too. And I kind of got that bug from that. And again, you would not you would not know that this person, you know, was struggling with stuff. And then a couple of years after that, she ended up committing suicide. Again, wow. we still in, yeah, it's wild. So none of us still really know, like, all the stuff around that. But it, I think the biggest shock of that was we, we, we didn't know, or at least the people who would have been in peripherals would have never guessed that, you know, she was struggling with stuff like that. So I always thought therapy was like a thing that I wanted to do. I just didn't know exactly when I was going to do it. Now, coming to 2018, 2019, where I think the biggest catalyst for me to actually pull the trigger and go to therapy is that I was in a relationship at the time that okay. didn't, you know, I got to go too deep on it, but it didn't go well. But even before, like, I uh, attempted to go to therapy by myself, I right. attempted to go to, I said, hey, we're having some relational breakdown. Maybe we should try to check out therapy together. But that never right. happened. Right. Because at that particular time, it's like, okay, something's going on. I don't understand what this particular thing is, or I don't know how to articulate this. Um, And I'm doing this with this individual. Maybe we should try to check it out. But we never ended up going together. Um, But after we broke up, after it kind of definitely went south, I definitely said, you know what, this is the time. But even before then, um, that window of that breakup was still like, you know, you ruminating, okay, what happened? Why did this go wrong? Was it me? Was it the person? You know, you whatever it may be for whatever that individual is, I think from the mental perspective, you start to go with that in a downward cycle um, until, and this happened around the same time, like it, and you release, like, you know what? I need to find out a different solution, a way to kind of, to, to get through this. Cause I, I'm tired of my day being consumed thinking about this particular thing, right? Or so you feel right. like spending most of your day ruminating on this particular thing. So I ended up hitting up Harrison and just going to a session and downloading on it. Um, and then it went from there. And that happened around the same time that I also really decided to dive deep into the Bible as well, too, just to read the narrative from beginning to end. Right. And that was a beautiful thing in terms of having that offline um, from offline personal experience, but reading the story of the Bible and seeing how those narratives kind of tie in together in terms of the big picture. Um, and Harrison's been super cool uh, and is also great that Harrison, oh, I guess that goes into the next question as well, too, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. But that's why I went, started to go in, into therapy. That was the catalyst. A bad relationship gone sour, uh, but a great opportunity in which it wasn't, it, from going to therapy, it moved from, okay, this is a particular problem that I am here for, to realizing like, yo, the world is relationships. You have right. a, finances you have a relationship with your family and parents you have a relationship with your friends and colleagues so even though it started there the lessons kind of expanded into everything else so it went from 
okay, making sense of this particular situation, but then realizing, you know, this is a powerful tool to look at everything. So I think that's what kept me going to therapy. That's great. Like, like you said, the fact that you could apply that this is, you know, this might've happened here, but what is the root of it? Because I think a lot we deal and that's why it's so hard. And I I think I talked a little bit about this in the last episode. When you're in, when you're not in therapy, one, sometimes you don't have the language. So you said it, like, I don't have the language to walk out whatever's going on. So I don't have the language. So I think therapy gives you the language. I I said therapists are like emotional translators. So they're able to translate your emotions. So you don't have the language. And then the other thing that therapy does is that um, it helps you to get to the root. Because in conversation, sometimes you're only dealing with the surface problem. Like you won't ever do X, Y, Z. Well, what is the root of why I'm not doing X, Y, Z? Because only when you go to therapy, that's when we can get to the root of it. But a therapist, like I said last week, it's a person who's uh, a neutral person. And so when your significant other says, why don't it seems like there's shame. There seems like there's attack. There seems like I'm bad and you're good. There seems like there's so much emotions that can be tied to when a neutral person says, why do you do X, Y, Z? Right. It it seems less loaded. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I agree with that too. And that's an important point to like to highlight as well too, because and this is the thing in terms of uh, having that objective third party. And what I've learned as well too, because yeah, you could say you have friends, or I talk to my spouse, or I, even to a degree, I maybe even talking to a pastor. Um, for some people, where I've learned is that look, you pay. Well, I mean, bottom is you're paying this individual to tell you about. I mean, to have a conversation, an objective conversation about what's going on. But if it is family and friends, there's a slight chance that you're going to get biased information or biased perspective because <clears throat> they care about you. They may yeah. not. You might go into. You might not be lucky to have a friend or a family member to tell you bold as is that again. You, you may be the problem. You <laughs> in the situation, and I think that's probably the next thing which scares a lot of people as well too. Because when you see yourself as an actor in this role, you're yeah. less likely to think, okay, you are the you could possibly be the antagonist or the anti-hero. Like you know, you yeah. always think you position yourself as a protagonist, which we yeah. do by default. And I think if with family and friends, you know, they might tell you advice but they might buffer it in terms of like, okay, I don't want to push any triggers or they might be well aware of your triggers as well too. And they try to, you know, navigate around those landmines. But with a therapist, you don't, you know, balls of the wall, I'm going to have a conversation. And if I say some BS, they're going to call me on some BS. If I do say, you know what I mean? Point blank period. It's true. It's true. And I also think that it's interesting that you said that you were the one that suggested in your relationship. Right. Um, Because again, I, I've seen the opposite where males are like, I, like, no, I'm not going. I, I don't need no therapy. So the fact that you were the one suggested it, not even that, okay, she suggested it and then I agreed. I suggested it. That's, that's a pretty big, it's a pretty big step. Okay. So how did you choose your therapist? How did you know wh- who you wanted to go to? Well, I mean, it was going to be Harrison top down. I mean, it might've been a little biased to do that as well too. Cause I know I went to school with Harrison. He was a few grades ahead of me, but like, okay. we, but it was still, it was, it was removed enough that it wouldn't be completely biased. Like we weren't best friends or anything, but at the same token, Harrison would have at least peripherally uh, peripherally would have known from seeing me 
what life uh, like a snapshot of what my life is at that stage versus having to explain that chapter of my life to somebody completely new right so like right. You know, like I was you know we both knew each other and we could both use like reference points at that particular stage of our lives that we would get so it almost scaffold having a relation somewhat of a relationship with Harrison scaffold some of the shared experience that we could possibly use and touch on. Because again, high school was a part of our lives as well too. And certain things happened in high school where that is a, a, a value that like, okay, I, can, I, uh, like, I get what you might be going with with this or this particular situation, you know? So that was that. And then Harrison, you know, just following Harrison for years, like with, with Relationship Bahamas, the Facebook page and just yeah. following and stuff like that. I mean, he's a wise guy. That man's a smart dude. So shout out to... To have the shameless plug, you know what I mean? Um, but I also knew, which was also important for me, that Harrison was coming from a biblical perspective and a spiritual foundation as well, too. Because as I was also going through my, my own personal journey, uh, where a lot of my experiences can also be filtered through the word, Harrison would get those things as well, too. So I think for me, it was also important to be like, you know, am I thinking the right thing when I approach scripture this way? Or like, do you also look at it that particular way as well, too? So I think that was cool um, to also have that to kind of scaffold those two experiences, but still have a balanced conversation, you know? Understood, understood. No, I understand, like shared experience, um, you know, because there are sometimes when people, they don't want to do a Bahamian because again, they feel like the Bahamas is still too small and I don't want someone who lives there knowing my business. But you said for you, it was helpful to have someone who would have that shared experience right. so that they were far removed enough so it wasn't a biased comment, but they knew you well enough to know, understand the culture and the upbringing and the background of everything you're going through. Okay. So that tends to, so people can decide, do I want shared experience or do I want someone completely, you know, that don't know you know anything about me and then the biblical and I, I shared that last week too that was very important to me too someone who was a believer um I don't need you to tell me about no crystals or no no I don't know I don't know whatever y'all uh, uh. <laughs> but I needed to be aligned I needed to be alive so earlier you shared with us like you know you realized that you had anxiety and control and you talked about one of the ways that you deal with it right. were there any other breakthrough moments that you feel okay with sharing or do you feel okay with sharing how you got to discovering that I had anxiety and control? Um, yeah. And that isn't the main, I mean, anxiety and control, that's just a part of the, 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 the part of the menu on the plate. Like, you know, it is, that wasn't the biggest thing. Okay. Um, a lot of different cool. things. Well, too. I mean, like for me personally, especially through the lens of scripture, I think the biggest thing that helped me overall was understanding the concept of what sin is, right? Okay. Sin not only being, you know, it is a, a very powerful force that is in this broken world that we are in, but on a low level, I mean, on a, on a relational level, it's a relationship, it's a relational breakdown, right? Which not only happens to you, but you can be equally responsible for as well too. Like in terms of you could have wronged an individual, you could have lost your temper on, this particular situation, you could have, you know, manipulated or taken advantage of the situation. And again, um, I think the biggest aha moment outside of therapy was, you know, looking at yourself objectively as an actor that could, that is a part of this um, world that we are in. And some of the things habitually that you may be doing habitually or not is a part of that one, a part of human nature, but also like a part of you know, just being driven by this thing that may not necessarily be beneficial for you, whether that might be a breakdown of relationships or whatever that may be. So um, 
when having therapy and coming at it from that lens in terms of like, okay, this is, let's take a step back. What you're feeling or what you're going through might is two to one, a common human experience, uh, experience. Different people just de- deal with it in different ways. And to zoom out further is like, okay, I think it brought a lot of empathy of uh, empathy to the other characters in my life as well, too, whether that might be my parents or that might be colleagues and friends or whatever like that. So like, I think a big thing for me, especially on a relational level is understanding, you know, my relationship with my father better in terms of, you know, where he's coming from, you know, the breakdowns and the disagreements are, you know, the little, you know, fights that we may have, but like, instead of, I think before therapy, always attacking him, like he's the problem or, you know, that why is this, um, why is he acting this particular way to zoom out and be like, look, he is a product of an environment that he grew up in as well too. You know what I mean? Like he is, he is an environment of a father that didn't have his best interest in mind when he grew up, you know? And I think the big thing for me is with empathizing with something like that is less about, oh, I feel wronged in a situation or this is what this whole thing is. Now, how can I still learn to love this person? Or, mm-hmm. or then what, and then again, through, through scripture, learning what grace really means, right? Where you extend love, you extend friendship to an individual. And again, not that's a lesson I learned in not particular relationship with family, but that has been, a, I've been able to transplant that into my relationship with friends and business people as well too, you know what I mean? To have grace. Yeah, somebody might not, do might be dragging their feet on this particular project do you just run out and get angry on them or do you have patience and try to talk to them object objectively on what's going on and try to solve the problem you know so I think that was a big thing that that came out of therapy for me especially in terms of I could be in the wrong sometimes too probably if not most of the time you know and that's a big thing to wrestle with and to get comfortable with because now, and I think thankful with the Holy Spirit as well, too, to, that allows you to mind that gap and to kind of scaffold that self-awareness. You, you take a step back before you really engage in big things that you need to engage with and big relationships. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know if that probably was rambling on, but I didn't no, know. No, that was good. That was so powerful. I was just, I just didn't want to interrupt your thoughts. That was, that was powerful. I would tell you why. I was reading this book. It's called Radical Love. I think you would enjoy it. His name is Zachary. I think that's the name of Zachary Levi, Radical Love. And basically Radical Love is kind of a lot of what you were saying just now in terms of we all go through like hard experiences. And I think that happens in the Shaq movie too. I don't know if you ever watched the Shaq, Um, Mm. but we go through hard experiences and it's easy just to say something's wrong with you. You're the problem. Right. If you fix yourself and what you got going on, life would be okay things would be okay. This dynamic would be okay because you are the problem. And what it says is when you have that grace to realize that we're all products of our environment and things that we go through and understand that that person is, it doesn't, it doesn't give it an excuse. It explains. That's what he said in the book. You're not excusing a behavior that is being done to you. You're able to explain the behavior. And when you're able to explain a behavior, then you're able to have grace for it because you too have things that you do that are irritating or that might rub someone the wrong way, but it's because of this. So again, when you go through therapy, it allows you to have the language to explain, to walk it out. And it's not always easy to be in that vulnerable 
position where you have to communicate. Like, it's just, I think it's just easier to say you're wrong. You wronged me and go on with saying I'm right. right and you're a bad person. It's easier. Okay. And I think that's, and that's a, when you look around and that's the biggest thing when you look around now is that that's where our society and culture is, uh, you know, propping up in terms of like, you know, YOLO, I can live my life. If somebody burned me, just move on or, you know, forget this person or like, I got to live my life my way. You have to accept me who I am or don't accept me at all. And that is very toxic, very, Ooh. very toxic. But that's the culture that we live in because to a degree, we've all bought into that to, to an extent until we learn not to do that, you know? Um, and yeah. I think a big thing with that as well too, especially coming out of that is that when you learn those lessons, all your relationships get better, you know? Yeah. Again, mention my old man. I think our relation now having the tools to step back or to look at things objectively, to look at the bigger picture, to empathize with his story, not only of my hero's story and how my life should look. You know, you have grace in order to, you know, forgive, but then also to love where our relationship has gotten richer over the years. I can honestly say that. Um, but it isn't just like a catch all. You still learn boundaries as well, too. And, the le and that's a huge I think that's probably a big early lesson in therapy as well, too, I believe, is like the concept of boundaries to know when you are stepping over boundaries, um, to know how to protect your own boundaries, to learn how to not always have those as, you know, solid walls and, and fences, but to be permeable, to open up the doors every, you know, every now and again, and to let people in who generally want to be in, who you can learn to trust that won't you know, breach those boundaries or hurt you, you know, but that's something that you learn over a period of time. And you take that with all different relationships. Yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of vulnerability to grow in therapy because you are essentially opening yourself up to pain. Yeah. And so you have a lot of anxiety and control. Um, it talks about it in the book and then I go through it as well. Um, you're trying to avoid pain. So I'm trying to control the situation so I don't have to deal with the pain. But right. when I say I'm just going to allow, you know, God to have his way and just be obedient to what he's telling me to do and grow with this person, I may incur pain. I may. But that is OK, because that is a point of 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 where I can grow, of where I can be vulnerable and where I can be a better version of myself. Like you can walk out that pain so that no it was it was really good it was really good when you think about and I think you shared a little bit about it already in terms of how you were able to see sin and grace um with the with therapy like um like connecting the two so right. was it always easy for you to just say you know what they go hand in hand it's not one or the other they go hand in hand was it always able for you to see like how the bible intertwined with you know working with a therapist uh, definitely. And there's a lot of different things. It's like, you know, when it comes to the pressure to always perform and to always go on, like, or to always like be your best and stuff like that. I think to me, like the word that just hits me the most is Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart that you will find rest in your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. In terms of, and that was a big thing for me because I've learned whether that might be uh, career wise, in some cases, professionally, I was taking so much on because I felt like I needed to take so much on because this is what the strongest people do, or this is how you need to perform. And you always got to be in hustle mode on 24 seven, but 
that's of the world and that it never is never sustainable, never sustainable versus, you know, really finding rest in, in Jesus, not only in the word, but again, watching how this man lived his life, you know what I mean? In terms of not, not having the love of money be your priority, you know, right. not um, feeling that you have, you have to laud power over an individual because you are in this position of power, but no, to actually, how do you be a servant leader? You're right. How do you, hum- how do you bring humility in every situation in which you could truly learn to love and appreciate and have, and, and to walk with other people, right? How Jesus did it was crazy, man, crazy. And it was so counterculture. And you, and you put it more and more in, our, in today with our context and just to see how he moves. Like the whole story, all, the whole gospel in general is a crazy thing. And I honestly mean that in terms of, but, but what you learn as a human being in this world where we are less than perfect every day, it's hard to do that every day every 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 day you know what i mean in terms of the humble yourself um and to walk just like how you know god walked with us and then there's another um just a step out of therapy for a second and but was still an important lesson with that because i think you learn it in therapy and i think the church should have this response i mean should be the place to have this responsibility but again lo and behold humans are in church as well too um you know is John first John one through nine is that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from unrighteousness. But in in in, a, in another way to say that is like you know we will heal ourselves. So I found, especially in my discipleship groups and my you know my small groups with my my crew from church, where we have this safe space where we could get down to the nitty gritty and talk about the things that we may be struggling with within our lives and. I think the church as a whole should have been that, but a lot of people don't do that because again, we talked about this on the last few episodes is that we don't trust that community because go- gossip is rampant or you feel like you might be judged hard on a particular thing, but it is so core to have that core group of people that you talk to. Um, and you learn that from, a, you learn to do that with a therapist, but I think you should ultimately get to a point where you could do that with the people that you love and the people around you. And, yeah. you know, that church group has, has been important for that as well, too. Yeah, because like, like you said, you know, rest is something that we don't do and it's counterculture, but the scripture talks about it. And when you go to a therapist, you are emotionally resting. And I, I found that, you know, I find ways to physically rest my body, but I wasn't finding ways to mentally and emotionally rest. And so adding practices to your daily life that involves of how do you rest your emotions? Because you're, you're sometimes we're overwhelmed because our emotions are overwhelmed. So where do you find rest? If you're not going to a therapist, if you're not walking it out with a therapy workbook um, on your own, if you're not um, in a small group where, you know, you know, where everybody's, you know, like the main purpose is for us to work, work out our emotions. If you're not going, how do you rest? So you're not thinking emotionally. And so you respond a lot out of anger because no one's there to interpret your emotions. So the easiest emotion to go to is anger. Right. Yeah. And that's baseline. And again, and that, and that again, breaking now what that means sin from a relational perspective, you get angry, you burn bridges and you hurt people around you and then everything breaks down from there. Right. And I'll probably say one more thing in terms of just a big core, a big chunk of the Bible and where it kind of rests in that is that the Psalms, the Psalms have been a big 
thing for me as well, too, because one is a book, you know, written to God, right? In terms of it being like a like just prayers. So I think I found a lot of the language, especially outside of therapy, and prayer has been a big tool for me as well, too, in terms of learning that I can have conversations with God at any time, right? But the Psalms in particular is a book that allows you to go through a range of emotions. It doesn't just talk about, although there's a lot of books on there on Thanksgiving and praise, there's some books that talk about very uh, low points, very low points, especially if you look at any of the penitent Psalms, like Psalm 51, where you are well aware that you are the person that has, you know, breached um, the boundary um, all the way to, you know, having doubts and fears and still having anxiety and to find peace and rest in that as well, too. Or even like Psalms, like Psalm, I don't want to get this wrong, is either, I think one is an historical Psalm, is either 73 or 78, but is I think is attributed to Solomon about him essentially venting about, you know, people, you might be looking around you and everybody seems to be prospering and you're not prospering. And, you know, why, oh, Lord, and, you know, and to learn that you could go to God with your frustrations as well, too. Like, you could voice, like, you're frustrated about, you know, not either not being in a relationship or this deal or this opportunity falling through or if it taking so long. But you learn to filter that through still having thanksgiving and praise and, and appreciating what you do have and appreciating that, yeah, it might take a while but it doesn't mean that I am not walking with you. You are you you are not, nor do you have to do this alone. Right. Yeah, and I think I think it's important for people to know that you know the, the that the Bible does talk about your emotions and going through the emotions and processing them and taking them to God, so that you know that it is something that God is aware that we were going to deal with. Right. And so that it's not something that you sweep under the rug or just say I'm gonna pray about it. And you don't pray about it, or you're still struggling. Like you've prayed about it and you haven't gotten revelation. Because there are sometimes when the Holy Spirit reveals to me something that I'm going through because I consume a lot of information, whether it's reading books, listening to podcasts, watching sermons, YouTube, whatever. And I ask the Holy Spirit, you know, from all of this information that I have gotten like can you reveal something to me in that vein of what's going on with me or why I'd respond that way and but I think a lot of that self-awareness comes also from making a decision to go to therapy because now you start asking questions that your therapists have asked you right so that self-awareness now I'm trying to get into a space of where when someone makes me upset analyzing what's going on yeah because it's very easy to say what's wrong with this person Easy. But, and, and not having a conversation. I realized having a conversation with them when I was ready to as well was very helpful because sometimes the person is like, oh, I didn't even know I, I didn't even child. And then they explain this is what's going on with me. But you burn bridges because you just like, oh, they, this, they did this. I'm upset. And you didn't even have that conversation. But that grace that you was talking about that you're able to give people that allows you to walk some things out and not take on an offense every time. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing because again, you could, you, and it happens in inches where you become, if you don't check those things, you slowly become jaded over time. Or again, if you have to use biblical words around this, like your heart becomes hardened over time where it's impossible, impossible for you not only to open up for yourself, but to open up for others as well too. And the, and the, just the fact about life in general for anybody is that we have to live this life with everybody, like with others. It isn't a solo thing. It isn't a solo experience. Life is meant to be lived with other people. Um, and that takes vulnerability. That takes opening up. That takes connecting. 
And in order to do that is that you have to get to a point where you're comfortable doing that. And even to a point, and I like to say this as well, too, a thing that you learn, especially like from the Bible, but also from therapy as well, too, is that, you know, you might address an issue, you might get through a breakthrough and an aha moment on a particular thing, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will be 100% over it. Because being human, you probably have to go, like, you learn that these are things that you probably will be struggling with, you know, hopefully, hopefully not the rest of your life, but possibly the rest of your life in terms of how you deal with situations. But I think with the, but with both what the Bible and therapy gives you are tools in order to process this, those, process those things as health, healthy and skillfully as you possibly could. Agreed. Yeah. Great. So good. Um, so what are some telling signs that someone should probably engage in therapy? Boy, that's a, this, is, this was a good one. I, I, think. I yeah. think everybody should, but I mean, I'm sure there's some signs where it's like, oh, you, you need to go. <laughs> I think for me, from what I've seen, else, even from a personal, like just to go off of my personal notes, I, I think if you, if you are a person that you know find themselves in continuous patterns of either thinking or behavior, like they just, like either they are triggered by a thing that they can't get rid of or a thing that they think that they can't get rid of, and they go into these patterns, if they're triggering, if they react a particular way, if, if, you, if you have strong reactions to minor things, like mm-hmm. if you get dead petty because you freak out over the, the cashier at Wendy's because they take too long to do your order. I think that's a, like, that seems like a little thing and we overlook it. But when you see that as a pattern and that happens, like, bro, that, that's probably something there that you should try to address. Why do you have these anger issues? Or mm-hmm. again, relationally, why do you why do you continue why do you continue to be attracted to this type of individual? Bruh. You know, so those are patterns. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think the habits and the patterns tell a lot of the story as well, too, because it, it tells a lot about you, who you are as a person, but also the thing that you are getting tripped up on. Uh, and I think those are the big things that once you step out of yourself, you know, through self-awareness, especially through the gap, through the grace of the Holy Spirit to, to reveal those things to you. And it's like, look, this is a thing I need to figure out because this is a, a, a thing that continues to happen or is resounding. Check it out. I think that's the biggest thing in terms of knowing when you should probably talk to somebody. That reminds me of Jonathan McReynolds' song, Cycles. Cycles, cycles. You keep going in cycles. You keep doing the same thing over and over. And the Bible says, you know, capture every thought. And so if you're doing a cycle, you're doing the same thing over and over. That means you're not um thinking you're not actively thinking about the thing that you're doing you're just going on autopilot because you're yeah so you're not capturing the thoughts so that's why you need someone to help you to capture those thoughts yeah because therapy kind of stops you in your tracks and you say man i just keep on you know getting angry when this thing happened or keep dating the same kind of person or keep having the same kind of friends who just use you and then think of okay if every friend uses you maybe you're people pleasing and can mm-hmm. we dig into that? Maybe it's not just 20 million people you're meeting that are horrible that are that are using you. You're people pleasing. So people ple- so people who um are take advantage of people are attracted to you. Right. Why are you people pleasing? Let's get to that. Yeah. And that that is the way to capture a thought because the thought is no longer focused on I keep meeting these users and abusers as friends mm-hmm. into why do I keep on it, you know, doing this kind of behavior that brings people who use and abuse me as a friend in my life. So like you said, cycles is a very telling sign. Yeah. And I think I probably I'll, give, I'll add one more tool to this. 
I think that was a big thing for me, but I didn't realize how big it was because it was just so natural to me growing up through the years is that I think, especially when it came time to me to process my, the, my thoughts or to look at a lot of things object, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, objectively or try to attempt to look at things, a lot of things objectively is journaling was a big part of my life from an early stage. And I, you know, keeping my journals over the years and then always going through a thing like where there might be once a year or, you know, as frequently as I need to, I could go back to my collection of journals just to go through the pages and to see kind of my streams of consciousness and patterns of think thinking, right? Where three or four pages past my to-do list, I might just write down like, don't worry, Travis, you got this or, you know, focus or whatever like that. Like those little markers in terms of like, what was my mindset at that point in time? You know, so journaling is a, a huge tool with that as well too, to kind of catch those possible patterns or those possible points in which something may have been going on in your life where you could possibly talk about. That's good. That's good. So my final question is, you know, we've been talking about therapy today, how Jesus and therapy, how they collide, how you as a male decided that, you know, I do think it's good for me. And there was so much good information about, you know, giving people grace of understanding your cycles of, you know, realizing, you know, the, the root of where things come from and just allowing the, the therapist to be able to translate your emotions. What would you say to someone who are like, that sounds good, but I don't know if I would ever want to invest in that. It sounds good, but I still think that I don't want anyone in my business. What would you say to someone who still is apprehensive about like, let me just take it to the Lord in prayer and right. that's you y'all doing too much. Yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll talk direct. whoever listened to this, I talking to you directly. Sisters, if you listen to this as well, too, great. My, my brothers as well, too, broskies, fam. Listen, bro. Whatever weight you have on your shoulder right now, you don't have to lift it alone, my guy. You don't have to lift it alone. Whatever mantle that you have on, and again, right, the, you put it on rightfully so, because if you don't, your world will probably crumble. You probably the man of the house, the head of the household, the breadwinner, again, for men and women as well, too. You probably shouldering a lot of stuff right now that you need and you should talk to somebody about. Not because it's a fluffy thing, you know, you feel like it might serve a purpose for a moment in time and then it just goes away because you have to deal with the real world. I promise you, conversations like that, whether it might be a therapist or somebody you really trust, where you could have a deep, objective conversation about what's going on in your life. Pursue that. Pursue that. Because I, I am of the, I'm convinced that doing that is a solid gateway of being real to yourself and a first gateway in terms of humbling yourself. Because especially when you, hopefully, you come to a point where you want to actively pursue God. You have to come to God with humility. It is, it is a requirement to come to God with humility. And in order to be humble, you have to kind of step off of whatever platform or, or you know, throne that you think you on because, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. But sometimes you could take that crown off. You could allow yourself to be vulnerable. You could share the turmoil of the emotions that you may rightfully so be dealing with. And again, I don't know, my background may be different than yours. You might have more term turmoil than you think the world or people may not understand. They just don't get it. But talking and having that conversation is the first step. And once you do that, 
there's a world of opportunities that can open up. Now, I don't know where that journey may take you. And it's, that journey is different for a lot of diff- uh, people. That might be something that you figure out that you solve in two years. That might take 20 years. It may not even be in your lifetime. But I think for y- you and the people around you will get so much from it once you learn to soften your heart and let God put that new heart in you where you could talk to people and reach out and to truly learn what it means to love yourself and love other people as well too, because that's what God wants. And that's probably, <laughs> again, like what he would say, there's no greater commandment than this. So take that to mind. Amen. Amen. I love it because, you know, we, I, you said something earlier, you were saying like, you know, we were created for community. We were created for relationships to do life with others, but it's kind it's hard to do life with others when we are not aware of our triggers, we're not aware of the, you know, what's going on with could potentially be going on with the other person that we may need to be uh, give grace for, and we're not right. willing to be vulnerable enough to have those hard conversations that help relationships to grow. Because right. instead of having a hard conversation, we do the blame and we continue to build resentment and move further and further away, mm-hmm. versus dealing with the hard conversation, being vulnerable, having that and growing from that moment and growing even closer, even after that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Travis. Thank you guys for listening to this episode on the male ego, but just understanding from a male perspective of someone who's been open to therapy, how therapy has so been super helpful for them. We're continuing in this series. If you are listening in real time, we are still doing prayer live on Corel Pinder IG, Corel Pinder 1908. Join us for prayer live. As I mentioned, I now have a YouTube channel. So go ahead and watch an episode, leave a comment. Let me know the kind of uh, content you'd like us to see, you'd like me to see that I put out there and also continue to join us on the Royal Access, share it with a friend and leave a message for us in the group. Once again, thank you so much, Travis, for being with us today. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys. Peace. Love. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.